kind of mellowed out on his opinion over the years. Who mellowed out on his opinion? Carlos Cavazo about he, Shane. Yeah. When well, did he? I didn't know he auditioned for Ozzy. Yeah. He, here's the thing, right before, because, <clears throat> excuse me, hang on one second. Take your swag. Swig. <laughs> oh, Gillis ended up getting it. Bernie Torme was originally brought in by Don Arden, who was still managing at the time. They were getting ready to go out and do the Speak of the Devil tour, but, um, then they held auditions both for the tour and to see if there was a permanent guitarist uh, that they could find. And a lot of the guys in L.A. heard about it beforehand. Almost nobody knew. Well, no, or most of them didn't know that or possibly none of them that it was going to be a set of shows doing strictly Black Sabbath. Songs. So Carlos learned all the Rhodes material from the first two Ozzy albums, showed up for the audition, couldn't play any Black Sabbath songs, but was proud of what he learned. And, you know, they had to do these shows in literally two weeks, and he outright refused to learn the Sabbath material. And I guess he thought they were going to work with him a little bit because learning the road stuff. And she was like, nope, see ya. (laughs) Knowing what we know about a certain uh, Mrs. Osborne now, no, that wouldn't have happened. It's her way or no way. <laughs> they might have get, get I think he might have gotten some leeway if he'd have been willing to learn it. But when he flat out refused that that was it. <laughs> no, there you go. But on the other hand, I don't really blame her either as the manager at the time. I mean, they had two weeks to roll and they needed somebody who knew the songs. They didn't have time to fuck around with anyone that was like, oh, no, I'm not learning Snowblind. That's stupid. If I was alive at the time, I would have aced that audition. <laughs> I'd have been like, I'm your guy. Knowing what I know now. Yeah, I wouldn't go. Yeah. All right, let's do the intro. All right. Let the bass play out this time. Welcome to Ratsal Review. Hi, Lou. Hello, Greg. Hello, Wayne. Hello, Greg. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Good evening. And uh, today uh, we're finally doing this Ozzy show that we've been finally to do. finally After three uh, weeks. Blizzard of Oz and Diary of the Man Man. This has been almost. This has been like a month trying to get this show to to you know go. So here it is. Blizzard of yeah. Oz, Diary of the Man Man. Part, part one of our five-part Aussie series. Yep. It's going to be five parts. Well, yeah, he has 10 studio albums total. Oh, my God. You didn't tell me that. Oh, are we not doing all 10 studio oh albums? Oh, my God. I got to listen to the fucking um, Osmosis. Yeah, yeah. you got to listen to that. And what's the one after that? Uh, uh, Bla- uh, down to Earth. Down to Earth. And what's the one after that? Black Rain. Oh my God! It, what's the one after that? That scream. one. Scream. What's the one after Scream? One of the worst freaking albums I ever heard. 
which is ordinary ordinary man, man. Oh. <laughs> the one that papa don the greek god liked <laughs> and sir, in his latest one patient sir, i love you but i question your your, your taste <laughs> <laughs> no but uh yeah it's, it's gonna be a long uh show but uh, it'll be fun. There's, there's some songs I like off of those newer albums, so we'll see how it goes. I know well, listen, we're going to tell you all the reason why we're doing <laughs> this is because we are shilling for views. Do you understand right. me? We want you to watch. That's right. And we will do what we have to within reason and legal uh, parameters to make you watch. So, yes, we're selling out and shilling by covering the Ozzy discography. So thank you. Fuck you. Bye. All right, let's do this. Oh, now we're going to get sued by Cornette. Thanks. <laughs> Hello, Steve Catman. News, Steve B. News, Steve B. News, Steve B. News. Sorry. <laughs> but, Greg, uh, we've been talking about this show for a while, doing Ozzy, and um, I know you really wanted to do it. So, you know, I, you're, you're a huge fan of, of Blizzard of Oz. So uh, talk to us about that a little bit. Well, I mean, uh, Di- Diary is actually my favorite overall. Okay. That's... Ac- both of them are essential albums for any metal fan and blizzard of oz as good of an album it is and as much as i love it is like that perfect building block that goes from 1970s hard rock heavy metal into setting the tone for the 80s and diary of a madman kind of built on that and came full circle but um I mean, you know, there's stuff on Blizzard that's a little bit more reminiscent of things that would have been done in the 70s, like Goodbye to Romance, shit like No Bone Movies, where I don't want to call it lighter, but it's more, and now, when I use the term AOR here, people, I'm not talking about keyboards, I'm not talking about shit like the fucking Macaulay Schenker group, that that has nothing to do with it. AOR originally stood for album-oriented rock, stuff like Boston, Sabbath, that wouldn't have a lot of radio airplay at that time. Well, actually, I probably shouldn't have used Boston as an example, but anyway. Thank you for saying AOR and not A-R-O, like Manny constantly says that we have to correct him. But, um, you know, it shows that evolution as they were moving into something new. And also, I don't know if you guys are big enough Quiet Riot fans where you really listen to like QR2 or Randy Rhodes' live solos. But it's really cool to hear his ideas from Quiet Riot, how it turned into, and it's nothing more than riffs and chord progressions, but how some of that stuff turned into goodbye to romance and parts of crazy train and revelation mother earth but um you know just his forceful classical way of playing is out of this world i mean and you know on the heels of what eddie van halen had done just two short years before it's just mind-blowing and it's a monster of an album and even though i'm not the biggest fan of ozzy as a person I mean, these three guys here, Curse Lake ended up playing on it, but he didn't write the songs with them. He he wrote on Diary, so I don't know if you can rip. But anyway, they, they were doing something new, really forward thinking, and it's just magic on here. Yeah. And well, I mean, Ozzy. Even though he is, we all know he doesn't really write the songs and all that, but he still came up with some good lines. And 
followed the melodies well, you know, and he's got that ethereal haunting voice and he was at the top of his game here again. I mean, he was still sleeping under the drum riser all drunk while they were recording and rehearsing, but he doesn't sound like he's about to fade away like he did on Never Say Die. Mm, yeah. Uh, you mentioned Eddie Van Halen and Eddie felt like he was a copycat basically, but what do you, do you think he really was a copycat? No, I feel more like Randy was, and this is something that's kind of hard to make this point in general because Randy died so young as amazing as his playing on blizzard and especially diarrhea is he still hadn't hit his peak yet, whereas Eddie Van Halen, you have the beginning, kind of what he fucked off and did with keyboards and different shit for years, and then came back full circle at the end of the 90s there, because, and, you know, even coming back to the beginning with more raw stuff on a different kind of truth, but um I would say Randy was more of the Richie Blackmore school. Honestly, he had a different flair to his playing. I don't think he was a copycat of Eddie at all. Granted, there's some similarities, but it's whether it's Quiet Riot or Ozzy, you paid me a Randy track and you play me an Eddie track and I can tell you who's who. Um, I mean, other than the way it's amped up and they were both kind of flashy, I really don't think they sound similar, to be honest. Yeah. Lou, you being a guitar player, what do you uh, hear? No similarities whatsoever. Yeah. And I know that we've discussed this when we had our uh, Randy Rhodes retrospective uh, last year. I mentioned that they were considered the two hotshot guitarists of the L.A. scene in the mid to late 70s. and Randy was a school teacher, a, a music teacher. I mean, um, he taught in his mother's music school in Musonia while Eddie was slugging it out in the backyard parties in Pasadena and, you know, playing the Starwood and Gazaris and all those places. Um, you know, I heard of a story once where they actually met and he, Randy asked Eddie, how do you get your guitar to stay in tune with the tremolo arm and Eddie at the time didn't want to let his secrets out. So at the time he'd actually play with his back, he'd play his solos with his back to the audience. I read this in many issues of guitar world and they constantly reiterated this fact and he didn't want to tell Randy and Randy thought that was an insult. And at the time he thought there was one guitarist that was better than Eddie. And that was George Lynch, who would end up joining Dokken really? later on. Yes. Yes. Hmm. Kevin DeBraw was actually even quoted as saying that in um, an issue of Guitar World when they, he was promoting the uh, Quiet Riot Randy Rhodes years CD. Um, there is the funny story that there was a picture of Eddie's face on Randy Rhodes's uh, wah pedal in the late 70s. So he'd hit it with that much more ferocity, but it wasn't Eddie as a player that he didn't like. He just thought he wasn't uh, a very friendly person but, you know, because he's like, you know, we're all guitar players. It's not a competition. It's like, you know, we all go out and we all do what we can do, you know, no snobbery about it, you know, and, and, and Randy was a joker. He was a practical joker 
And, you know, you heard about some of the ribs that he would do uh, on tour and backstage. You know, I mean, he was just a fun, loving, lovable guy who looked like uh, David Cassidy with a perm. But still, man, could that guy play guitar? Um, You know, and and we actually spoke with Steve Rosen about this, um, where in a 1982 interview promoting Diver Down, where Eddie expressed sympathy for Randy's uh, loss. And then he said he tried to copy me. And I've mentioned this in the interview that <clears throat> Randy wasn't going out of his way to copy Eddie. People were coming to take lessons from Randy asking me, can you teach me running with the devil? <laughs> and all of Van Halen won. So that's really what it was. So, you know, I think if the two of them were still alive today, it, it is possible that there would have been a, uh, I don't think rekindling is the right word, but I think there would have been some kind of compromising situation where they both would have admitted respect for each other because of longevity or where their careers ended up uh, taking them. Albeit Randy's much shorter, unfortunately. Um, but no, I, I, I like Greg said, I can hear two completely different guitar players when I hear Randy and Eddie. Yeah, I never, I never got the comparison either. I, I can hear a little couple things that maybe like the the, um, the finger tapping type stuff, but otherwise, I don't really hear a similarity between those two. But uh, both awesome, great guitar players, and uh, only one of them was with Ozzy, and that was Randy Rhodes. So, uh, Blizzard of Oz. Let me go through my notes here. Uh, Ozzy's debut, great album that showed Ozzy can make it on his own without Black Sabbath. With Randy Rhodes as his new guitarist, the possibilities are endless at what could have been done for the for the future. The rest of the band, Bob Daisley on bass, Steve Kerslake on drums, and Don Airy on keyboards, Ozzy really put a great band together. Even though I think it's a great debut because you have songs like I Don't Know, the classic Crazy Train, Goodbye to Romance, Suicide Solution, and Mr. Crowley. There are some clunkers like No Bone Movies, uh, Steal Away the Night, and Revelation Mother Earth. And I know Greg's probably just uh, rolled over in his grave, even though he's not dead. I'm going to chew uh, your head off when it's my <laughs> turn to talk. Revelation isn't a terrible song, but I think it's a, a, a tad bit uh, unfocused. And then uh, and they try something a little too adventurous this early on. They do something a little similar on the next album. Uh, we'll get to that later. Uh, but it's a classic debut album that proved Ozzy didn't need Black Sabbath. And uh, this same year, I don't know what I wrote here. Uh, this, this same year, this album was released. Black Sabbath, at, at least for this moment in time. Uh, I don't know what the fuck I wrote there. It makes absolutely no sense to me. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so anyway, the debut albums, I, I really enjoy it. Like I said, there are some clunkers on there, uh, but it's, it's a great debut. You know, it's got some classic songs. So what, what about Revelations? <laughs> One of the, Greg, oh, you go first. Well, first of all, to go back to, yes, Ozzy didn't need Black Sabbath. However, he still needed a good band behind him. He did. When he got it here. Amen. To get him Bob Daisley, because as great as Randy is, this wouldn't have come together the way it did without Bob, who Ozzy mm -hmm. Continue to use up through um what the no hell more is, tears no more tears thank you i i was about to say no rest for the tears i'm like no that's not <laughs> see i haven't smoked pot in like a week and it's messing with my brain but anyway uh, 
no revelation mother earth is an amazing song and it really foreshadows not just where ozzy was going because it does well where the band blizzard of oz was going on diary of a madman but kind of where metal was going in general you know it takes that multi-part short epic that was big in rock in the 70s and metalizes it a little bit more and takes you on this journey and randy just does some amazing stuff on the guitar there man yeah no he definitely does there's some really cool parts there it just it just doesn't seem like it was written together it just seems like there was parts written and then they just put it together in a certain way and it just i don't know it could have been less clunky to me i don't know interesting opinion i i don't feel it's clunky at all i think it flows perfectly interesting yeah i think i think it's four parts that come together to make one whole um experience you know you have the intro the mother please forgive them then you have the uh, part where he goes into tritones then you have that nice breakdown where you hear the piano ballad uh the the piano-esque stuff going on and then all of a sudden you break into the outro where randy just freaking kicks it in a high gear and i i i get goosebumps still when i listen to that song because as a guitar player i'm looking for songwriting and i'm also looking for ability and randy constructed these gorgeous melodies and then all of a sudden it just gave you a swift kick in the nuts with a freaking steel toe boot and just said, acknowledge me, motherfucker. And that's exactly what I think he did on Revelation more than any other song on Blizzard of Oz. Hmm. Just my opinion. I would add Mr. Crack to that, but I agree. Otherwise, I think those are the two on here that are the most amazing that way, especially with his melodies. I think I'm just so overexposed to Mr. Crowley that I didn't include it, but I'm not denying its greatness. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, even though this album's so old and and a lot of these songs are on the radio, are just constant repeating of them. Like you would mention earlier, Greg, you constantly hear uh, Crazy Train, so you're not like, you don't want to hear it anymore, kind of, you know? Who 108, the radio station at work, they, I both I Don't Know and Crazy Train are on the weekday playlist every day at 9.30. (laughs) train every day at three afternoon i don't know they're not bad songs i'm just yeah. kind of ambivalent about them now yeah. although what's interesting is what you're saying about revelation i actually felt about crazy train the first time i heard it the way it opens and then goes into that melody line yeah. i felt connected all the first time i heard it i was kind of like why is everyone so crazy about this song everything else on here is so much better well not no bone movies (laughs) (laughs) that's a fun tune but it's not super inventive and the same thing with steal away the night they're both they're both more complexly written than a kiss song but they're both kind of arena tunes just to get the audience up it's they're not as special as the rest of what's on the record is i guess what i'm getting at they're both good well no bone movies is a filler track but there's no way around that that, (laughs) (laughs) and no bones about it i think you were saying um uh bob wrote that i mean uh, lee wrote that right actually 
um god i can't remember the name of the session drummer they uh actually wrote most of the album like, shit i should have written down notes i thought i'd remember it because i talked to and listen to i mean talk about and listen to these so much it wasn't but, frankie benali was it no because he claims to have written the intro drum track to over the mountain off of uh uh diary of a madman uh, so i don't know if that's factual or not <laughs> but no it's I, I don't believe that at all. I, I think that was all Randy. But um, the the one song that Lee Kirst, like actually wrote with them during the Blizzard sessions when he came in to record the album was actually the B-side, um, You Said It All. Great song. Um, what do you feel about the rest of the album, Lou? <clears throat> all right. So rewind again, Ozzy. I first heard of him when I was a little kid. And again, having two older brothers, it spoiled me because they had the classic Sabbath cassettes and they had all the Ozzy cassettes. <laughs> I think, I'm trying to remember, first time I saw Ozzy um, and heard him that I could vividly remember. There was a show on ABC called In Concert, and they actually showed video footage of the Salt Lake City, Utah, Bark at the Moon tour. And the songs that they played were, I don't know, um, Rock and Roll Rebel and Flying High Again. So I don't know, being the first song, I just immediately fell in love with it. And I looked at Ozzy and I thought he was like a human cartoon character. <laughs> so like, you know, when you're four, four or five years old and you're seeing this, you're thinking, oh, this is cool. Yeah. And then, you know, I discovered my brother's cassettes and, you know, at the time his guitarist was Jakey e. Lee. So this is my first time hearing Randy when I popped in the cassettes and I heard, uh, I don't know, for the first time off Blizzard, fell in love with it, it instantly. Like, you know, I would just, I, I would clap you know, on my legs, you know, just like it's to the beat. So I actually had to thank that for giving me a, a sense of rhythm. <laughs> you know, um, I just, I, I love, uh, I don't know. I know it's a song that still gets played on the radio today, um, but I'm not sick of it yet, yeah. which is far more than I can say about crazy train, mm. which again, I am sick of it, but I, I understand the significance of it. Um, by the way, um, Crazy Train, if anyone has a copy of the uh, Quiet Riot Randy Rhodes Years CD during Laughing Gas, when Randy comes out of his solo, the riff that they break into is Crazy Train. Really? Yep. So that's where it came from. Um, Goodbye to Romance. Gorgeous song. Um, you know, I won't turn it off if it comes up on my uh, on my playlist. Um, D, which is a gorgeous acoustic track. Uh, you know, what I loved about Randy was that before Ingve, he really brought a love of classical music to hard rock and metal. Mm. So I got to give it, I got to give him the props for that before anybody else. So, you know, D is a beautiful acoustic track that he dedicated to his mother. And, you know, it is what it is. It's 45 seconds of um, 
just like something interlude thing so. yeah <laughs> till it breaks into suicide solution which god damn what a song <laughs> you know but the funny thing is though um during the satanic panic as many likes to call it of the 1980s you know th- there was a controversy that came with this song about ozzy you know uh, putting subliminal messages well, in it that Sorry? that was suicide solution actually happened in 1990 during the satanic panic it was actually the bark at the moon album because that guy killed his neighbors in canada Okay, well, the, the, I'm I'm referring to the American case because the guy, the lawyer, I forget his name, but you know, completely disreputable, a piece of shit attorney, uh, said that in the um, during the uh, the, the breakdown uh, before they break into the uh, final verse, you hear Ozzy saying, "Get the gun, get the gun, shoot, shoot, shoot," and that's not what he said at all. He said, get the flaps out. Flaps is a British uh, slang for, uh, as Sheena Easton would call them, her sugar walls. Let's keep it (laughs) semi-G rated. And then he was doing like some weird type sound effects because, you know, they were experimenting with all these uh, reverse tracking and all that stuff. So there was no get the gun, get the gun, shoot, shoot, shoot. And I wish I remember the name of that attorney because this way if he was dead i could go to his gravesite and just piss all over it but if he's still alive <laughs> fuck you anyway <laughs> um and no the song is not about bon scott and ozzy dealing with it because ozzy didn't write the lyrics <laughs> no that, that story is completely false um and it's gone over the years from him saying he wrote it about bon scott to oh, I just contributed this one line specifically about Bond and both Max Norman, who produced the record, and Bob Daisley have confirmed that, no, Bob wrote the lyrics to Suicide Solution. Yes, the premise of that song being about Bond Scott is about as fake as Sharon Osbourne's constant plastic surgeries, okay? So give me a break. Now, <laughs> flip on to side two. Uh, Mr. Crowley, I love this song. I'm a little tired of it, but I still love the song because Randy just kills it. Oh, uh, I forgot to mention, by the way, Suicide Solution. Again, I have to reference the QR Randy Rhodes album, uh, the song Force of Habit. If you listen to that song, everything from Suicide Solution, it takes from that one. Mm. Um, Mr. Crowley, though, again, love that song. No Bone Movies. Now, I mentioned this to uh, <laughs> to the guys last week. I said, if you replace that song with Idiot Control now from Mystery Science Theater 3000, (laughs) you'd have a much better song selection. I like No Bone Movies, but it's a throwaway track. You know, it's just it's 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 dumb. It's fun, but it's just like eh, I'm not going to add it on any of my playlists. Revolution, I already said what I thought about it. Uh, So still. (laughs) I'm glad you referenced the right episode. Pod people, it's on Tubi. Um, and then steal away the night. Now, you guys mentioned you weren't too crazy about it. I love the song. Um, I love anthemic songs where you know it's a driving rhythm and it's I compare it to a song like We Belong to the Night from UFO, which is one of my favorite UFO songs. 
surprisingly off one of my least favorite UFO albums, but one of my favorite songs. And uh, I go for tracks like that. You know, I like the driving, you know, be, be young, have fun, drink Pepsi type mentality, you know, because uh, I'm into I like happy stuff. I do. I mean, I wear black all day. I have black curtains behind me. You know, I, I think about death quite often, but I'm a happy person. So I like that song. <laughs> I don't know, just a little too happy, too happy of an ending for me. But but now we're going to talk about something that makes me miserable. What's that? So Why I is have it me? Two, it's not you this time. <laughs> but I have two copies of Blizzard of Oz. This one is completely worth owning. This is the 1995 remastering repackaging. It doesn't have any extra special tracks on it. Um, you know, it's got the uh nice blue like uh quilty. What if you, you open it what? up and that the, the way they ruined the cover? It's so stupid. I know, but I I love this version of the album because yeah. it's the original. Right. That being said, this 2002 piece of shit re-recorded, remastered um hum- uh, if if it were if it were spider it'd be a crawling piece of excrement. Where Bob Daisley and Lee Kerslake, yes, were replaced with Rob Trujillo and Mike Borden. No offense to both of them because I think they're both great musicians. But the fact that you guys actually um, scabbed to be on this album because you were under Sharon's payroll. This is what I think of the album. Oh, my God. There's some good I... bonus tracks on there. There's no bonus track. Oh, there's you looking at yeah, me looking at you. But guess what? Stream it because it's got it. That's the one that has uh, Lee and uh, Bob on it. But they, they fixed that issue and they reissued that album again. There was a backlash to it. That's the only reason why. Yeah. 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 yeah th- that was just wrong. They, they she shouldn't have had them do it. I mean, she can be as pissy as he wants. And I'm glad as she wants. And I'm glad Bob and Lee eventually won the case against it because it just wasn't right. No. Um, both of those bonus tracks are available, by the way, the original singles, or there's also a compilation called Prince of Darkness that contains both You Said It All and You Looking at You original versions. And, you know, that, that version of the album, I can see people that heard it first and don't realize it, but the whole thing sounds wrong. It sounds horrible. Yeah, it, it sounds like they tried to make it sound like the original album. Yeah, complete another failure. <laughs> I mean, it, at least try to tune your damn bass to sound something similar. But Jesus, Egypt. And again, <laughs> that's not taking anything away from Rob Trujillo and and Mike no, Borden and as it musicians. Sucks that they're on that because they're, they're like you know, especially Mike Borden. Maybe he's, he's like one of my favorite drummers. You know, from Faith and War. And I hate mm-hmm. to say that something he's on, I don't really like at all. You know, that's okay. The last Mr. Bungle album. Oh no, he's not. He's, not he's sorry. Bungle. That's Faith. But the no last More. Faith No More album sucked anyway. So oh, okay, so at least we have the first five <laughs> Faith No More albums. <laughs> yeah, but uh, and steal away the night. I actually do like the song, but I prefer the live version on tribute and just live versions they did of it in general. Um, Yes, it sounds very bright as compared to the rest of the album. There's just an extra something missing from the studio recording. I still enjoy it on the album. It's a fun song. Good anthemic song. It just sounds like it's missing that extra oomph as compared to 
the rest of the album and yeah no bone movies kind of has a similar sound but it's just a, a fun throwaway track to begin with yeah hear the engines roar now idiot control now <laughs> see that's already an improvement over no bone movies and i mean especially coming after friggin mr crowley of all things right it's just yeah it's the order the, the order that they're in it's just i don't know maybe if they were in like in the beginning of the album kind of break it up a little bit more brandy blows rock at that point all to hell with his riffs and his chord progressions on mr crowley and then you come in a ding no boom just shut up ozzy now but <laughs> they really didn't have any other material to choose other than that as a filler track it could have been a lot worse mm. and we'll get to that when we get to bark at the moon even mm. though it wasn't alive at that point but for a filler tune it's not bad one thing one point i will disagree with lou on though is blackmore totally added classical into rock music before randy did i mean sorry dude randy did it in a different way that definitely Took it forward and was equally as cool, but Blackmore definitely did it first. Well, I I said that uh, Randy did it for metal. I completely acknowledge what Blackmore did oh, for rock. I'm sorry, I I didn't catch that you said metal. I thought you said rock in general. My apologies. No, 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 I, no worries, no worries at all. I mean, yeah, of course, I acknowledge Blackmore as the first guy to him him and steve hackett of genesis but more so blackmore than uh genesis because you know i mean come on stargazer that's all i gotta say um <laughs> but no i mean uh, you know what randy did for for you know for classical within metal but you know though you're right i i can't deny what that blackmore was just as influential towards many metal and hard rock guitar guitars so i'll meet you halfway on that definitely um, one last thing I want to say about this album with Ozzy being a Brit and Lee Kerslake being a Brit and Bob Daisley being on a, an Australia, a Brit by way of Australia. Mm -hmm. This album does not sound British whatsoever. This sounds like total LA. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very glammy ish in the way. Oh, totally. I mean, Randy's stamp is all over this. I mean, Bob is, almost as important because he helped write all the songs but it it's it sounds so american there there's no other way to put it and then you know another part of that is probably max norman's production too mm. you know and max norman does make his, his himself available to uh go on podcasts and talk about that stuff i mean i know he was on the metal voice and a bunch of other ones be cool to have him on the show yeah, actually, uh, Ben was going to hook us up with that, but uh, I don't know what happened with that. I haven't talked to Ben oh. in a while. Um, you, one thing, I, yeah, I mean, I would love to have Max Norman, especially to talk about Rust and Peace, just if we couldn't talk about anything else. But um, I love D, but I think it should be on side two of this record. Uh, there's too much clunky stuff on side two. Well, honestly, I mean, if you moved... No bone movies would work better on side one as a segue between goodbye to romance and then into suicide solution. Goodbye to romance followed by D while well, those are both good songs and I love them both for different reasons. It's a little too much of that at once. Mm -hmm. If it 
came in on side two and went from Mr. Crowley into Revelation, that's just, I think it would flow better. Well, also, D and Goodbye to Romance are really not that far apart from each other in terms of structure. Um, D was actually a big part of Randy's solo during Laughing Gas. Yep. And um, you could hear how he expanded D into Goodbye to Romance. So those two songs are just too much alike. I could see that putting D as like a, a reprise. I guess you could say of what we heard on Goodbye to Romance, if it was uh, positioned on that on side two, that that would that and especially segueing into Revelation Mother Earth. That could have been a better sequence. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, and Lou also talked about how we got into these. Um, you know, I knew the original Sabbath. I loved it. And then I was about 10. My neighbor introduced me to both of these albums. And I I then, and I really still do now, is Ozzy's kind of a clown, a human cartoon character. Him as a person, he really didn't interest me all that much. But Randy totally just blew me away. Took my mind to a different level. I mean, jaw-dropping. Yeah, but, but Ozzy as a cartoon character in the 80s or watching him on the Bark of the Moon tour, that was cool. That oh, I, that was I, cool to watch. I always thought it was cool. I'm not really criticizing him there. I'm more saying that the guitar was a bigger draw for me than Ozzy himself. He definitely had his pick. Uh, in the chat here, Catman says, uh, crazy, crazy train you can still hear at hockey games. Matter of fact, he's going to a hockey game in three nights. Uh, and Pilot 78 Two six Blackmore is God. Is that true? I'm not going to deny that he's in my uh, Mount Rushmore along with uh, Eddie, Randy, and uh, Tony Iommi. Very cool. Uh, switching now to um, Diary of a Madman. Uh, where the hell did my notes go? Uh, I think this album is a little stronger than Blizzard. Uh, it's definitely a little heavier, and there are really and there really isn't any clunkers on it. I think Randy Rhodes is a little less flashy here, though. Otherwise, it's a great album. Uh, you got uh, Over the Mountain with the drum intro. Every time I hear that, instantly you know what the song is. Flying High Again. You Can't Kill Rock and Roll, which is like a power ballad. Um, I mean, you basically hear these songs on the radio still today. That's how strong this album is. Believer, another great track, S-A-T-O. Uh, I think in a way, Lee Kerslake uh, outshines everyone on this album. It's, he's like really doing a lot of these drum things he didn't do too much on their last album. He's really on fire on here. And uh, and then the song Diary of a Man-Man. I think this is kind of what they tried to do with Revelations on the previous album, but it kind of missed the mark. Here they got it done perfectly. Uh, it's such a perfect song, switching back and forth from acoustic to electric, just a really catchy song. The songs uh, I didn't mention, Believer uh, and Little Dolls, aren't such, are no slouches either, but the other songs are just more of my favorites. There's no bone movie songs on here, thankfully. So a really great album. What about, uh, what do you think, Greg? This is one of the best albums of all time. I mean, we came in, you know, to record the album, but here they had been on tour and they were able to um, write the album together and it came out amazing. They fully matured from what you heard begun on Blizzard of Oz and truly created something that was completely their own and unique. Gone are 
the little bit of AOR influences and they totally adapted them to their own style from over the mountain through to the title track. I mean, it still pays back to what came before it, but it's its own thing. Yes, Randy is a little bit more restrained here. And I think a lot of that has to do with Lee Kerslake's drumming and, you know, coming in and being able to write with these guys. And, but still, I mean, it sucks because he died. I think he would have progressed beyond this, but this is peak Randy Rhodes right here. I mean, I think this is the best stuff he ever played and wrote. I mean, SATO alone is so job. Sick whole record gives me goosebumps even tonight and little dolls which are still great songs just lesser as compared to believer dire of madman over the mountain flying high again and even in flying high again as complex as some of it is and out of this world as the plane is i mean something you can totally headbang along to in the arena you know mm. yeah definitely and this album don't sound as thin either. It's a little bit uh, heavier sounding, you know. It's got a, it's mixed differently, and uh, which helps it too because I think uh, you know the first album's a little flat, and this one just bumps it up just a little bit more and just makes it sound a lot heavier. Lou, I didn't know I had to tell you. But... Um, <laughs> funny <laughs> that you're talking about that because on Blizzard of Oz, um, I don't know if anyone. I'm sure you guys hear this. But Lee Kerslake was basically the click track. So every song starts off with a click of the drumsticks. Mm -hmm. They did not take that out in post. (laughs) I don't think I I really never noticed. I never. (laughs) Yes. Every song starts off with, you know, one, two, three, four on the drumsticks. Um, and again, they, they were working within a very minuscule budget for that first album because this is after uh, Sharon found Ozzy half dead in a mo- CD motel in L.A. Mm. Well, Don um, straight up did not think he was going to be viable after Sabbath. The, he Because he, he was still managing Ozzy fully at the time. He kind of thought he was done and over with. Yeah, um, but I think this is the greatest album Ozzy ever did, and it is my second favorite album of all time, right under Van Halen's Fair Warning. Hmm. And um, God damn, I love this album. I mean, when I first started um, playing guitar, um, Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman, more so Diary, was constantly in my rotation at home i had the cd of blizzard of the uh, blizzard of oz so i had that thing scratched to shit (laughs) and i had my brother's cassette tape of diary and i was just at at 13 years old 1994 i was just consumed with it like i i not that i wanted to be randy but i was just like I, I just want to know what he did. You know, like I, I was just studying it and playing along with it. I mean, well, I still to this day will never properly play the solo for Over the Mountain, you know, and, and that's one of the most crushing songs I ever heard from that intro drum fill, which, is, again, I sincerely doubt was written by Frankie Benali. No offense, Frankie, rest in peace. But no, I'm not going to say you did it. <laughs> I'll say Carmine Apathy did it before you did. Mm. <laughs> well, um, I, 
honestly, Carmine's style would make sense because he's more similar to Curse Lake than Benali is. It just, I never believed it from the first time he said it. It does not sound something like Frankie Benali would ever play. Mm-hmm. He's working us, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> what was I getting at? Oh, yeah. So, um, and, and Diary was the first, um, because I, I listened to Diary before I heard Blizzard. And, you know, just hearing Over the Mountain as a kid, just, you know, completely taken away by it. And, you know, I still get the same goosebumps today. I'm going to say that a lot, but I mean, listen, there's a reason why this is my second favorite album of of all time, because the songs still hold up. The music still holds up. Mm -hmm. Flying High Again, you know, one of the best, you know, radio friendly songs Ozzy ever did. Um, I, I don't know if I hear it on the radio as I definitely don't hear it on the radio as much as I hear crazy train, but um, I'd be happier if I heard it more than crazy train. <laughs> um, you can't kill rock and roll. I love it. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting to call it a power ballad. I never really thought of it that way. Um, Cause to me, when I hear power ballad, I think of Steel Hearts, I'll Never Let You Go. And Ozzy ain't hitting a seven octave, uh, you know, uh, vocal range. <laughs> but uh, I do love the song. Now, the next one, Believer. That's the song where I first heard and I was like, what the fuck? I mean, like, just it just sounded so evil. Yeah. And 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 everything about it and i was just like yes i want to come to the dark side i mean i'm wearing a stormtrooper shirt that says blizzard of hoth on it that goes to show you i love ozzy and i love the dark side and believer has both of it um little dolls it's it's i guess you could call that killer filler i mean it's definitely a much better song than noble movies and i think it's uh it, it holds its own you know um, that's, a, that's the thing even the filler songs aren't really filler songs they're good songs like not on, not on blizzard where there are filler and they're and, right and the reason i think little dolls and even tonight are referred to more as filler even though i personally don't think they are is because they aren't as intense as the rest of the record mm-hmm. it's a, a break in between because from over the mountain straight through to believer is just smashing yeah. in your yeah I mean, the first time i heard over the mountain i think i played that on repeat three or four friggin times before i even made it to the next song yeah the first time i had it on cassette i actually snapped it within a week because i used to rewind it and play sato and diary of a mad man back to back and back, to back. <laughs> i believe it um Tonight is my favorite Ozzy ballad. I don't think he's written a better ballad than that. Sorry, Lemmy. I thought, um, you know, Mama, I'm Coming Home was a good song. It's not tonight. I'm glad that song made you a lot of money, though. Good for you. He wrote. I didn't know he wrote that song. Yes. Really? He, he co-wrote almost half of that album. Holy shit. I had he, no idea. Uh, no more tears. Yeah. When we get to it, we'll discuss that. Okay. He's he's actually on the record of saying he made more money from from no more tears than any motorhead release. Wow, that's sad. <laughs> but hey, good for you know, if anyone deserved the payday and recognition for his work, it was Lemmy. Mm-hmm. Um SATO. 
the funny thing about this song is that, you know, Ozzy was telling people it stood for sailing across the ocean. Meanwhile, Bob Daisley said, no, it's the he's he, he he I don't know if this is factual or not, but he would bullshit people and say that it stood for Sharon Oz, Sharon Arden, Thelma Osborne. <laughs> who apparently Thelma, who was Ozzy's wife at the time, was being cheated on by Ozzy with Sharon Arden. Yep. You fucking bitch. Anyways. <laughs> Lewis from his first marriage is on the album cover. That's who the kid is. Really? Yep. That's him right there. So many things we're finding out today. And who's, um, who's the woman on the on the back leaning over the table? Is that, <laughs> is that after Sharon Beater? Yes, that's Thelma after Sharon Beater. <laughs> <laughs> the, where the hell did he go? Sorry, he's right there. Uh, um, but SATO is just like, you know, I used to play that song live with my Aussie tribute. And I tell you, like hearing people's reactions to it, like they were just so happy to hear it because right. that's not one. Ozzy's never played that one live and mm. it's a killer tune. Now. Talk about the album closer to end all albums. Unless you've heard Severed Angel, which I recommend everyone go to <laughs> SeveredAngel.com with Wings Anew, one of the best songs ever written. Thank you. Um, but Diary of a Madman, I think, set the template for what album closers should right. sound like. It's yeah. epic. It's grandiose. It's melodic as hell. And you go through all the emotions listening to it from somber to turning into Mr. Hyde and just back and forth until at the end, you're just ready to like destroy everything in sight. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that ending classical part with the, uh, with the choir, it's killer. It's, yeah. It's, and that the buildup too, you know, just yes. like, what's going to happen at the end of this thing. It just keeps going and going and going. It's just so cool. And I've, I've been to so many concerts and that's like the last song they play before the band comes on yes and uh it's just so cool you know it's just it's just one of those songs that get you pumped up you know that's what we used to come out to uh with the ozzy tribute that was our intro music the uh, really? edited version where basically we took out pretty much the entire song except for the beginning and the ending yeah. um but and okay so so this is going to sound random um there's an italian horror film called the beyond from Lucio Fulci with the score by Fabio Frizzi. Mm-hmm. The theme song for the beyond. I can't help when I hear it. I wonder if he was influenced by this song in particular, because I get such similar vibes. Didn't the beyond come out in 1979? No, no, that was zombie. Okay. Uh, Beyond came out 81, 82 around that time. So, and this came out early 81, I think, because it was completed in 80. And, uh, you know, but, but I definitely get similar vibes from, from both songs and, um, what a way to just close an album. Um, a, a perfect, you know, I gave it an 11 out of 10. Um, again, my second favorite, my my first favorite Ozzy album of all time. And I think it's the second greatest album ever done. And again, I have two copies here. The 95 one, which unfortunately is damaged by water, but it still plays. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
This one is the 2011 version, which is basically a remastered version of this one. My one tiff with this, Lee Kerslake and Bob Daisley are neither mentioned nor are they anywhere in the booklet. <laughs> but in this one, at least you have on it. two guys that did not play on the album that were credited, which are all due respect to Rudy Sarzo and Tommy Aldridge. You didn't play on it. And it's clearly not them. No, but I will say live, they pulled it off. I, I think live, that was the best lineup Ozzy ever had. Mm, okay. I just, you know what it is? I, I saw that after hours footage and I love listening to tributes, but um, I know that it's a live album, but it's actually the segue out between Diary of a Man and Bark of the Moon, which I don't mind talking about a little bit on this episode, but um, you know, I, 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 there was just, I don't know. There was just something about seeing the uh, live footage of Tommy and, and Rudy and Randy and Ozzy together. I don't know. It just sounded and looked cool. Good. Great. Yeah. I believe Bob and Lee. I don't think Randy would have been on the third Ozzy album regardless. He did not want to be a side man. Hmm. Did you talk about Diary yet, Greg? I don't remember. Lou was mm -hmm. just talking so long. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's safe to say on this episode, we're going to go with Diary of Madman. Oh, hands down. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's a 10 out of 10 album. Or 11 out of 10. I didn't think verses though. I thought we were just talking. No, it's about not a verses, but I'm just you know, I'm just trying to end the show. <laughs> yeah, no, eleven out of. Actually, to, to be honest, I I I find it interesting, and even though I mean I've dabbled a little bit, but I wouldn't call myself a musician like you two. Um, I don't call myself a musician at all. I'm, I'm just musician. I'm a schmuck. <laughs> just take the damn compliment. You sound like my ex-wife, but um. I know you were married. <laughs> I didn't know he was married. <laughs> it's a joke. Do we have to analyze? Semantics, <laughs> please. E.B. White. When you don't, when you don't wait as long as I have, you analyze everything because you never know. <laughs> but um, it, I find it interesting that so many people out there actually have such a hard time picking between Blizzard and Diary because while both are legitimately great, I mean, Diary of a Madman is just on this insane level. I mean, the playing, the, the lyrics, even Ozzy's voice, it takes you on such an emotional journey through every single song from Over the Mountain all the way through the title track. It's just, it's immortal. It's just one of those albums. You could just put it on yeah. and just let it go. You know, and you're not going to be like, oh, I don't want to hear this because it's just it's just one good song after the other. So. What are you looking through there? Hmm? Unmute yourself. So, so um, there was one other album. It was a live album released after yes. Diary. And I had no um, idea until earlier today. It Well, you probably wouldn't because it's completely out of print, although there are new copies of it available on Amazon. Oh, that, I thought you were talking about something else. I, I have that. Yes. Okay. For relatively cheap, like, you know, I 
I don't think you pay more than $12 for it brand new on Amazon. But speak of the devil, um, this album cover scared the living crap out oh, of me. I know. And that, that is one of the first records I ever got. And my grandfather gave it to me. He's like, this looks like something you would think is cool and you'd like this. And I still have the record today. And yeah, looking at Ozzy, he's got that stuff coming out of his mouth. You know, Which is like, jello. It's yeah. jello. <laughs> now, Greg, your copy is coming kind of blurry. Is that talk of the devil or speak of the devil? This is speak of the devil. Let me get rid of my background real yeah, quick. Because talk of the devil is how it was released in the UK. Um, This was recorded after uh randy was killed in the plane crash again rest in peace randy rhodes you were amazing in the short time that we had you thank you and um and that, the, that, this creeped me out too a little bit because the guy here the, with the makeup the japanese version which comes with a bonus seven inch of the band playing uh hell i can't remember of course what. it's got the fucking japanese one jesus fucking christ Hey man, the OBIs. <laughs> well, most of the time they sound better, though they don't always. Where yeah. did I? Seven the poster. It's funny you was talking about Macaulay Shanker Group. I actually own uh, Japanese pressings of some of their stuff. It didn't sound good. <laughs> I mean, the the, the 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 either the way it was mastered or oh, I don't know. The thing about OBI presses is. The CDs always sound better because the Japanese perfected the medium. So they would demand the original masters to make their own copies of it. With the vinyl LPs, it's kind of hit and miss. Depends. Mm. Sometimes they would just take the American version and press it directly without really changing anything except for up in the treble a little bit because that seems to be a trend over there. Mm. Most of the time, it kind of turned out all right. However, in terms of fullness and richness, I would generally take the European LPs over most 80s metal band OBI vinyl presses. But uh, let's see, Mr. Crowley and what's on the B side here? I think it's I don't know. Yes, it is. I don't know recorded during a sound check that they did before one of these three shows with this band with Brad Gillis on guitar. And I have to say he does Sabbath a lot better than he does Randy. (laughs) And it's probably only because I'm so used to hearing Mr. Crowley with Randy Rhodes and Gillis is a good guitar player, but he's very different from Rhodes and it sounds off to me. Well, yeah, I mean, he's one of the first guys um, well known after Eddie to play a Fender Strat with a Floyd Rose. So, you know, he his style was completely different from uh, from Randy's and from Jake's. But, you know, I thought Brad Gillis, who was on loan from Night Ranger, I thought he did a hell of a job on this. Now, this was actually. It's a live album, but it's not. So it was, you know, it was recorded at the Ritz, which is now known as Webster Hall in New York City. But you could tell Ozzy had a hard time with the lyrics during the live show. So (laughs) he re-recorded his parts in the studio because you could faintly hear him cursing at the audience 
during the musical parts. <laughs> so there was some doctoring, but you know what? Yeah. Who cares? It's an awesome it's, listen. It sounds really good. You know, it's cool. And then, you know, it's not Sabbath, but they did a really good job of, of uh, playing those Sabbath songs. They, they did a really good hey, job, I think. Honestly, Never Say Die sounds better on this than the original studio version. I'll agree with you on that. Yeah. And it was, it's also the first time I heard any Sabbath songs, too. You know, so it's it holds a lot of memories for me, that album. It's, it's but really uh, no, it's, it's funny you mentioned lyrics because uh, I, can't, I can't remember who it was in interview with now. I, I think it might have been Tommy Aldridge, but he actually talks about how there was a couple of them where he uh, Ozzy had to have the lyrics written down on a sheet on top of the monitor. I know one of them was Symptom of the Universe because he just couldn't remember all of the lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> And that, and that was actually my first, this was my first time hearing Symptom of the Universe and Sabotage is, well, it's it's become my favorite Black Sabbath album of all time. Really? So, oh, I, I love that album. If we ever do a Sabbath retrospective, we'll discuss it in detail. But, you know, we're, we're doing Ozzy right now. But yeah, I, I, you know, when I heard when I heard Symptom from this album, I thought that was the way it was supposed to sound. And I'll actually take Symptom off this album over Sabotage. Um, but yeah, no, it's, and, and I think this was, this is what made me love, um, Rudy and Tommy as a rhythm section. It was reason enough for me to buy the project Mars album, which they're both on. And this I have here is the tour program that our very own Manny Mejias found and delivered to me for my birthday last year. Thank you, Manny. I have it right here. Um, it's got some awesome photos in here. Um, you could tell that this is the European edition because number one, they, aside from having, you know, photos of Ozzy and Brad from the American tour, there's a little Randy Rhodes remembered thing here. Mm. That's one thing. So nice to figure that in. You got Tommy there, but the basis at the time was not Rudy because by this point he quit. So he was replaced by Mr. Pete Way, formerly of UFO, and prior to him forming Fastway and uh, Wasted. Yep. Which apparently Sharon said he kicked Pete out of the band because he was too much of a bad influence on Ozzy. <laughs> Let that sink in for a second. Not true. So both the reason he had to leave Ozzy and the reason he could not stay on with Fastway is because Chrysalis Records refused to let his contract go. So in other words, Sharon is lying out of her ass again. Yep. Yeah. God damn there, it. Absolutely nothing they could do about it. And um, at least in terms of Fastway, Columbia was not willing to buy out his contract. Ah. Uh. Would have been cool to have actually heard him play on the songs that he wrote on the first Fastway album. I have a demo, but it's only four tracks. I'd love to hear that. That'd be cool. Certainly. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, that wraps up uh, our discussion of the first two Ozzy albums, the Randy era. Yeah, it does. Uh, and what, what's cool about your tour book there i'm not gonna unfold the whole thing because it's like a three by three poster but the pictures of the band members minus pete way and that randy rhodes tribute is what's on the poster that comes with the japanese speak of the devil mm. 
Very cool. So uh, yeah, let us know in the chat here, or uh, this show's gonna be over. So in the comments, let us know what you think of these two albums, and let us know your favorite songs and all that stuff. So, uh, but we'll be back uh, hopefully next week with the next two albums, uh, Mark at the Moon, and uh, what the hell's the other one? Um, oh, the ultimate sin. Ultimate sin. Yes. Oh. And, uh, what? And just to tie this into um, another friend of ours that we all know well, deceased does the best cover of Sato I've ever heard. Really. Maybe we should yeah. uh, ask him to come on the show. Yeah, we could ask King. He'd love it. He'd probably want to talk about these more than the Jake albums. But yeah, didn't think about that. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> one more, one more done in the records. Yeah. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We had some uh, good amount of watchers watching and uh, some nice uh, chats in there. Colin Madden and uh, Pilot, which is Stan, which I just now realized, and Catman, as always. So thank you guys for joining on the uh, chat. And we will see you next time. Okay. Demone. Bye bye. Cece. Come. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs>